the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to The Situation Report. Glad to have you joining me today. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stolnicker. I am your host. And today we are going to talk about a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I, I, uh, I started this interview with our guest today um, with the intention of talking about technology. And he has such an interesting background and such a great perspective. I, I think I mentioned this in the interview his his perspective is great for where we are right now because so much of what we're living through is confusing. And he's been there. He's seen a lot of this from the inside. So we talk about a bunch of stuff, but we get to the topic of technology, censorship, some of these issues that all of us are contemplating and trying to understand. And uh, one of the things I, I really respect about Andrew, who we'll talk to in just a second, is that he has a perspective that is helpful. It is, this is what's happening. This is what we can do about it. And here's why. And that's what we need to understand. Technology, any way you slice it, is a part of our lives. There was a time, maybe not that long ago, where we could take it or leave it. We no longer can take it or leave it. It is who we are. It's part of who we are. It's how we function. It's how we communicate. And we need to know how to do that well. We need to understand what is at stake. We need to understand the risks of using these free services. We're all happy about free services like Google and many of the social media platforms. What are the risks associated with that? If they're not charging us to use their product, then perhaps we are the product, as we discuss also in this interview. Very grateful to have the opportunity to have this discussion. When we talk about um, understanding perspectives, having the right information to navigate a culture that's changing this conversation is one that I'm grateful to have and that uh, I'm sure we'll have again and again and again because the situation is changing. We need to understand it so that we can change with it. I'm very grateful to have on my guest today, Andrew Riddow. My guest today is Andrew Riddow. He's going to give us his story. Fascinating background. Um, among all of the other things that he's done, he is also the founder of Liberation Technology Services. We're going to talk about tech censorship today and some of the things that we can do and uh, some of the platforms that we need to stay away from and why <laughs> and some of the areas we probably need to get more involved. But uh, Andrew, thanks for joining me. Really appreciate your time today. Oh, Jeremy, thank you so much for having me. Really looking forward to it. Well, I would love, uh, Andrew, first of all, for you to just jump into your story, your personal story that kind of led you to the Trump administration, how you connected there, what you did there, and uh, man, what you're involved in now. It's, I would imagine from your perspective, I can only guess, it's been a wild ride because for the rest of us, it's been a wild ride. But having been on the inside, uh, I can't imagine. It probably seems pretty crazy. Um, tell us your story. Yeah, so uh, I got involved with the Trump administration very early on during the campaign. Uh, during the 16 cycle, I actually oversaw eight counties here in Florida. Uh, wow. Three of them started out as blue, and by the end of it, uh, we almost had all three of them red. So we flipped two and almost flipped Hillsborough County, which was the bellwether for the nation. So 
by carrying Florida, uh, they invited all of us up to the White House and to inauguration yeah. and, you know, to start our political careers in D.C. And, you know, ultimately, we all came to really make the America First agenda a reality. And through that, you know, it was a, a wild, wild ride. Uh, I started out in a kind of small office uh, in the White House in March of 17. And then from there, you know, was able to rise in the ranks. That was one of the, the greatest things about the Trump administration is they really saw loyalty and hard work and performance and rewarded that. It wasn't just about whose donor uh, you were associated with or, you know, what Ivy League school you went to. They saw pure talent and rewarded it accordingly. Uh, I served there all four years. In the last two years, I was one of President Trump's senior advanced leads. And our responsibility, there was four of us total, was to lead the teams and the events anytime he steps off of White House ground. So mm -hmm. whether that's going to Mar-a-Lago or Bedminster, to your neighborhood rally, uh, to policy events here in the United States, all the way to international uh, events. Myself and my colleagues were the ones that worked with Secret Service, worked with the White House military office. We set up all the operations, the logistics, the optics. Um, you know, it was a, a phenomenal experience because we really got to help drive the America First message and set up yeah. the imagery uh, that so many people got to enjoy and, uh, you know, set up all of the rallies that millions of Americans got to come out and see the president speak in person and realize he was speaking a lot of truth. Yep. And a lot of what the media and technology companies were doing were taking small sound bites, mashing them together to present a completely different narrative. And so... After leaving uh, my time in the White House and, you know, spending 300, 325 days a year on the road, hmm. yeah. I was hoping for somewhat of a normal life. But uh, the Lord kind of said, nope. And he pushed <laughs> me into the technology space. Yeah. And so we found a liberation to, to be answered to a lot of what's going on. If we can't, can you take a minute and go back to how how you developed a conservative worldview. I'm always interested in how that happens, particularly now with the rhetoric around um, kind of the MAGA supporters. And this is, you know, we're all terrorists and we all um, hate everyone. It's it, you're either fascist or a communist or um, a Nazi. <laughs> we know that's not true, but there is a way that that conservative philosophy and worldview is developed. How did that develop in your life? Was that something your parents taught you, something you learned by, um, I know a lot of people learn it, just working and, and understanding how things work. How did you develop your worldview? So I would say, you know, it was a lot of how I was raised. I was raised in a small town of about 5,500. And yeah. really, I think that it was the early installation into if you want something, you work for it. Nothing is free. Nothing is a handout. You know, be grateful for every single day. Value what you have. Don't mm. need the others. And so I think a lot of it kind of comes back to the teachings of the family uh, raised in a religious household. So having biblical principles put into yep. my life as well. You know, I think that when you look at it, that's still 90 percent of America. There yep. are no yep. blue states. There are blue cities that drive the state, but mm. that's still most of America at the end of the day. And so when they kind of demonize all of us, I think that yep. they're doing themselves a big disjustice because they're isolating 90% of the country. Um, having been raised in a conservative home that was also a, a religious home, um, 
How do you view what many in the church, I was raised the same way. I was raised in a conservative home. My dad was a pastor, so very much a Christian home as well. And it's been interesting to watch people in the church, in the context of the church, not all churches everywhere, not all Christians everywhere, um, but really push back some of those conservative values. And I agree with you. I think most of America is very conservative. But even those who should be leading, even those in the church, <laughs> um, people of faith, who traditionally have come from a conservative background are um, siding with things like CRT and the litany of you know gender ideology stuff that we're involved in. Uh, how do you view that? Is that just a response to what's happening in society? Is it something more than that? Is it something that is even driven by media? What is driving that? I think partially, you know, the church has been become somewhat complacent, and a lot of their response, you know, the whole idea of separation of church and state, they've literally isolated themselves in a lot of ways. And I think that you do have a few pastors and leaders um, that are pushing these kind of narratives, but most individuals don't mm, adhere yeah. to a lot of this radical policy. And I think that more than anything, it is a time for, you know, the everyday person sitting in that pew to stand up and say, no, no, no. Why are we straying yeah. from so many biblical foundational principles and teachings and trying to spin a lot of the message and narrative. And I think that that is a combination of, you know, people not standing up uh, and voicing their, their disdain for it. I think that it is, you know, media and technology bias on these pastors. And I think that there's somewhat a lack of accountability uh, that also mm. uh, is taking place. Yeah, that's right. It's been a really interesting thing to watch. I've always felt like the church and the home, those two things together have been the anchor that's kept us all kind of on the right path. And um, an intentional attempt to disintegrate both of those is happening, and, and we're seeing it in some ways in some places. Um, going back to the Trump administration, I'm all over the place in my brain. You have such an interesting, your, your, your background is so interesting, the things you've been involved in, I think it's so unique for the moment we're living in. Um, mm -hmm. And part of that is you served in the Trump administration. You saw it from several different positions, vantage points. Um, a lot of folks who served with President Trump are now testifying against President Trump. They're writing editorials or participating in um, interviews where they're demonizing his leadership, um, you know, who he is, his, his character. Give us kind of a, a maybe a thumbnail of your experience working in the administration. And, you know, it's hard if you weren't there, and, and most of us weren't, to know if what's being said out here is real, if that is just political, which I think most of it is. What was your experience within the confines of the White House and the administration? So let me just frame it with this. So in the White House and EEOB, the Ex executive office building, which is attached to the West Wing, there's at any given time 4,000 employees. Wow. The, yeah. And the wow. crazy thing is that by the time uh, the end of the administration came, I was talking to one of my colleagues and we realized that there were less than 30 individuals still working at the White House that had been there since the early days. No kidding. I think that a lot of it kind of played into ambitions of individuals. They wanted to work from the White House. And I know this to be a fact. There were also individuals that worked for the Trump administration and they despised everything that America first stood for. And, and so they figured they would 
fight the system from within. And so they joined the administration and then, you know, especially in the first two years, that's when we saw uh, meeting notes being released before the even the meetings even mm. concluded. And so there were a lot of people, a lot of rhino and traditional uh, establishment type folks that disagreed, but they were like, I want to put the White House on my resume and I'll try to take out the uh, America First agenda at the same time. And so yeah. instead of a, a service to country, they were doing a service to self. And ultimately, that's not why we get into this. You know, it, it's trying to improve the, the national standing and also to improve the lives of every single American. And that's what, you know, civil service is supposed to be. But I think that has been lost for some time now because, you know, we see holdovers from every single administration coming in and they bury themselves into these different departments, these different agencies, and they make it so that they, you know, can fight. You know, that is kind of the leftist view and everything. And that is, um, you know, one of their main strategies. And that is exactly what the swamp is. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting because had the president gone into the White House and fired everyone who was a holdover and brought in entirely a new staff and so forth, that would have been heavily criticized. Um, it, it seems on the backside, looking backwards, that really what really what hurt the president was the fact that he didn't do that. And you can't say what should have happened or what should not have happened, but should something, should something different have happened in the process of, you know, the four years that he was there? So I will say draining the swamp is not as straightforward uh, as, you know, it it may appear. So when we got up there and we dealt with, you know, every single department, they have similar regulations and standards is if you work for the federal government, you essentially have tenure. So you have your your politicals and then your careers and careers make yeah. up a majority of the government. And it takes over five years to fire a single <laughs> career. So right. as you can see, we were getting close to being yeah. able to offload a yeah. lot of folks. But, you know, it's citation and then uh, probation period and then another citation. You can't just outright fire someone, unfortunately. And that's one of the realizations that we came to. Uh, it's not just something where you can fire everyone. Although I believe that, you know, your job status should be dependent on performance and not just, uh, the fact that you've been there for so many years. Yeah. My pillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build my pillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale and Giza Dream bed sheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they are all on sale for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-870-0283. Use the promo code SITREP or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. In addition to the people that were in the White House that are now, as you said, you know, kind of fighting from within and have, and many of them have come out publicly and, 
President Trump rises above all of that. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I don't know that anyone else in the world could continue to move forward as he has with, with everything that's happening. But, but probably the other single largest area that he's been attacked is through big tech. And um, this is where kind of you live now and this is where you operate now. Give us a, a view of big tech's censorship and then talk about what you and others have done to fight back against that. Right. So, you know, I think everyone in, in this nation knew for the longest time that those in Silicon Valley had a political leaning that was not similar to ours. They yeah. had a bias. They were doing things, but kind of behind the veil. And I think in 2020, what we saw is, you know, they came out front and exposed their pure intentions. Yeah. And they took mm. so many actions to actually combat everything that we stood for. And ultimately, you know, it became evident that we had to create a solution to address a lot of that bias. And, you know, whether it's Google altering their algorithm, whether a voter is a registered Republican or a Democrat um, or AWS deplatforming, uh, Parler and other like minded companies, you know, even today uh, we're seeing those events happen more and more frequently. Yeah. You know, I just saw an article where PayPal is holding $1.3 million of a conservative organization's funds because they don't align with them. You know, it's their money. They should have access to yep. it. They, yep. PayPal is just a middleman in a service. And so we started Liberation Technology Services as one of the responses, you know, um, with AWS, Google Cloud, and Azure. Those are kind of the big three. And without that core foundational infrastructure, no application, no website or, you know, group would ever really be safe again. So we've stood up multiple data centers across mm. the United States as a response. And, you know, it took us a long time to do this because we built it right. You know, we can say 100% we're not reselling or tethered or touching any sort of big cloud. Um, you know, the easy thing is to kind of stand up a website and just resell AWS and Google services. But we knew to solve this issue, it had to be done well. It had to be done right. And so, you know, we're really excited with what we've been able to put together. And, you know, additionally, you know, there are like-minded individuals in the space that are working really hard every single day to create alternative ideas yeah. and solutions to essentially replace. That's what we need is an alternative economy. Um, okay, so people like me that understand words but don't always know what they mean. <laughs> let's yeah. let's talk to people like me. Um, so AWS, um, we saw this with Parler, as you mentioned. I mean, they shut down Parler. They've shut down others. Um, I, I'm aware of what's happening because I spend a lot of time thinking about this and talking about this. But I think one of the reasons normal people who get on their phone to look at Instagram or Facebook or whatever um, – aren't concerned about these things or they miss what's happening is because they just don't understand how the technology works. Can you, can you talk about AWS and what they do? Talk about Google web services and what they do and then how what you do protects from that or defends against that. It, it, yeah. Again, it, don't go deep, but just so that we understand what we're talking about. Yeah. So we offer services that are pretty broad. Uh, whether you're, you have a website on GoDaddy or Squarespace or Wix uh, which is a simple landing page for your online store or, you know, your startup business, we can help you with that. 
if you have a larger company where you're using a variety of different products or a streaming service or whatever it might be, we have solutions for that as well. If you have something that rests online, mm. there's a good likelihood that you're currently on one of the big three. Yep. And there's an even you know greater opportunity because you can move over to LTS. We offer many of the same services and we're continuing to roll out more. We actually have a, a new email service that we'll be rolling out here shortly. And a big one is we're rolling out a replacement to Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Google Drive and Dropbox. Wow. Uh, so it's about eight different services bundled into one platform to you know allow for people to get off. And why is that important? So one thing that you have to think about is everything in all these big companies, they're mining your data. And have you ever experienced where you're sitting at the dinner table with your family <laughs> and you're talking about the camping trip you're about to go on? Yes. And next thing you know, you're getting advertising. <laughs> yes, I have. News, and it, exactly. So what they're doing is they're taking, you know, what you're typing into your phone, into your computer, what Alexa is recording, and they're selling that information out. Mm. And they're selling that to advertisers, but they can also be selling that to government officials and government agencies, both domestic and foreign. There's really no restriction under 230 that prevents them from doing a lot of these things. And so it's a, a continuity of government. If you're, you know, a freedom loving patriot that uh, is worried about, you know, their data and their privacy, that's one thing. But if you're also not wanting the entire world to know what you're doing next week, that's another thing that you have to consider. And so ultimately we can address that because we own the hardware and everything else. And we're yeah. not tethered to these big cloud providers. So we're able to give that, you know, assurance and, and redundancy uh, to protect people from big cloud. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Um, again, I think even just the technology that underlies the, the services that we use, we don't, we don't think about it. It's just, it's not something that crosses our minds. And then something happens with Parler or something happens with, you know, some other uh, platform and it doesn't register with us. That doesn't apply to us, but it does apply to us because all of our information is controlled by those folks. Um, you, you talk sometimes about, or you, I, I, I've heard you talk or, on an interview about um, free services and free technology services and how there are these threats that we don't consider. And on the social media side, I feel like we have done a better job. We have Getter, we have other platforms that we can go to now that we haven't had in the past. But what are some of the other unknown threats? You just mentioned some. When we talk about a free service, what are some of the unknown threats that people are exposing themselves to? Well, you know, at a national security level, you know, there was the whistleblower yesterday that said there's likely uh, Chinese Communist Party influencers and associates within Twitter. Uh, ByteDance, the owner of TikTok, is, you know, essentially a state-owned Chinese company. And what you have to consider is what is the Chinese government doing with all that data and information? Yeah. Are they going to be able to use it to influence us as individuals? You know, there's, you know, the kind of the strategy with subliminal messaging. Once you learn someone's behaviors and how they'll react to certain things, mm -hmm. you can target them with subliminal messaging, with specific content to sway their reaction, to sway a lot of what they're doing. And so that ultimately is something that needs to be taken into account. You know, additionally, we saw what happened in Mar-a-Lago. I think that, you know, for, yep. a, for an obvious reason, you know, the, the Democrat policy is terrible for America. Their elected officials and candidates are even worse. So now they're going to have to turn to their government, 
uh, entities and you know law enforcement and their technology partners to really push solutions that are going to sway the outcome of the 22 and 24 election. So they're going to use all of this technology, they're going to use all of this data that they've collected on you to try to essentially manipulate how you react to certain things. And, you know, there is no such thing as a free service or item. Yeah. You know, if it is free to you, then you are the product. They yeah, are mining right. all of your data. Yeah. What do you say to people who use those free services, uh, social media and others, um, email clients, because that's where people are. That's where their family is. That's where other people that they know are. Um, what would your advice be? I, I, I've had a hard time navigating this personally, and I'll tell you why, because there's a part of me that wants to continue to express what I believe are the right perspectives on life and you know what's happening in the world on a platform that I know not everyone there agrees with me. Whereas if you move to another platform, if you get off of these you know services like Facebook and Instagram and others, um, you are only now around people that agree with you. How do you navigate that? Is that are we beyond the point of trying to influence others? How do you view view that? No, I mean there are millions of Americans that are on the fence and they don't necessarily adhere to either side. So I think that, you know, on a social media platform and things like that, it is important for us to try to reach across the aisle uh, and to bring those kind of blue dog Democrats onto our side, because that's the way that we will continue to win elections. But what I'll also say is, you know, for, you know, Christians and conservatives and other freedom loving Americans, you know, not only do you cast your vote in November, but you also vote with your wallet every single day. And mm. a lot of the organizations that are in Silicon Valley, they stand against everything that we believe in. And so why are we funding them, helping them grow, become more powerful when there are alternatives yeah. out there? Um, there's a, basically an alternative to everything nowadays. And so by voting with our wallets, that's how we can also push back on some of the things that they've done. Because if you look at the Zuckerberg Foundation, uh, the Gates Foundation, all these different organizations... They're pushing CRT, transgender in the classroom, you know, all these yeah. different things. And we're helping them do that. Um, yeah, it's kind of a be everywhere, but be cautious and, and know where you are, I think. And, and it's understanding that a lot of folks are not your friend, even if they uh, are willing to use you as um, a product. Um, do you feel like with everything that has happened over the last couple of years and, you know, even the conversations about Russia, um, funding technology that will sway elections around the world and all of the things that we've, we've been exposed to. As you mentioned, the, the left no longer hiding their intentions, even companies that side with the left in Silicon Valley no longer hiding their intentions. And, and it seems like at this point they would um, have stepped back. They seem to have doubled down. Do you think that the average person now is beginning to notice, to recognize and there's an opportunity to actually make a change. I, I think for a lot of long time, people just said that doesn't apply to me. I feel like we're at a place where maybe people are really going, yeah, no, this does apply to me. This actually impacts me personally. Are we there yet? 100%. Yeah. You know, I work with organizations and groups day in and day out that are average everyday Americans that in 2020 and 2021 got really pissed off and their eyes were open mm. and they're now seeing 
that this is a fight to save our way of life, our nation, our world for the most part. Because ultimately, they're going to try to push us so far left and conform with everything that they want that, you know, the America of today and yesterday will be something of long in the past. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people during the Trump administration looked to Trump, uh, President Trump, and looked to other kind of senior levels of officials. And they said, that guy will handle it. That guy will protect yeah. me. Yeah. The guy will fix it. He's still only one man. Right. You know, it is as American citizens, it's up to us to do one little thing every single day. It doesn't matter what that is, but we have to take a part uh, to actually, you know, push our ideals. No longer can the church sit idly by. No longer can parents stay out of the school boards. It's something about contributing that made America great to begin with. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're now in a point where people are waking back up. They're startled awake. Yeah, that's good. For those that are waking back up, um, what would your advice be today? These are the things you need to do today. These are the things you need to begin doing in the next couple of weeks and as you move forward. One of the things I like about you know folks like yourself is you look way down the road. It's not necessarily about the next election. And elections come and go. Presidents, uh, members of Congress, senators, they come yep. and go. Uh, we hope to have a good election here next month or in November. We we hope that you know things are going to go well in twenty four, but we don't know. So there has to be there has to be a long term goal. You're building that, and that, that's what I like about you know this perspective. There are things that we can do. What can people do from a technology aspect or standpoint? Um, just the average end user. What can we be doing to help ourselves and help our country and maintain what we have? Yeah, so I'm working with a variety of companies that are addressing some of these fundamental issues. And any of your listeners can reach out to me and I will help them find alternative solutions. And we're actually launching a new platform that will hopefully help highlight a lot of those alternative solutions. You know, we're partnering to build that alternative ecosystem. I think, you know, at the end of the day, people just need to kind of take a moment and look around. What are they doing and what are they using day in and day out? Because this is the the nation of capitalistic ideals. There are alternatives. It's a matter of you just selecting to move. And I mean, you know, we were talking earlier about the the free kind of situation. Yeah, Gmail's free, but is your privacy and security worth $2 a month? Because that's that's one of the services that we can offer. You know, it's not like it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah. Um, You know, moving forward as well. You know, get involved in your school board, get involved in different organizations, knock on your neighbor's door and say, hey, we got to get out and do something about this. You know, there's a great group, uh, CCDF out of Florida, and, you know, they're just a bunch of, you know, parents and community members that decided that they were no longer going to sit idly by while their school boards indoctrinated their kids. Go and find your local chapter of that and support them. Yeah. You know, it, it takes a little bit of effort every single day. And if you take 10, 15 minutes a day to make an impact in one of these different areas, we'll all start to see kind of a critical mass come together. Uh, but without locking arms and going into this together, you know, and if we continue to stay fragmented, we're continuing to repeat our mistakes from, you know, past. Yeah, that's good. I, I just had a conversation um, before our interview here, and we we're discussing platforms and how we all have different platforms. It could be a large platform or a small platform. Whatever you have, you need to use. 
And I think that's where people have got to get to. If I have 10 friends, then I'm going to get those 10 friends on board with, uh, with understanding where we are and, and having a realistic view of what is happening and, and what we can do to move forward. Um, from where you sit, from the things that you've experienced, the things you're planning, you look down the road, how do you see the next couple of years unfolding? I just said that you know elections come and go, but they do come and go, and they do have an impact on our lives. Uh, what's going to happen? And they come back, you know, time and time yep. again. There are two years. Um, you know, I think that over the next two years, it will be incredibly interesting. Mm. Um, you know, I think we'll continue to see more and more action by organizations out of Silicon Valley, you know, trying to suppress conservative organization, religious organizations. Yeah. I believe that we'll continue to see the Biden administration pulling out every punch that they can, because ultimately they can't weigh in on their morals. and Right. Sure. So they're going to leverage everything that they can. And I think that for us, you know, it's time to wake up and realize that we're in a real fight. You know, for so long, we've been kind of sitting there with our white gloves on. Yeah. Right. Electing for others to get in the fight. But now we have to get into the streets and and fight back. And, you know, it doesn't mean we got to go and protest and burn buildings down like we saw Antifa do. <laughs> right. But you can vote with your wallet, join community organizations, making sure that you and your friends are getting out to vote and volunteer and little things like that. But I think that, you know, it is kind of a critical moment in history. Yeah. Uh, we can stand up and, you know, respond to the time that we find ourselves in, or we can all sit idly by and watch, our, you know, our nation kind of slip to the left and, you know, eventually we won't be able to uh, drive cars anymore. We'll, mm. we'll be walking everywhere. Yeah. We'll, we'll be sitting in the dark in 80 degree temperatures <laughs> like California. We're Why are you talking about my gonna... state? <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, they, they serve it up. They make yes. it too easy. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. You know, but it's kind of this uh, government and technology that have, they've become partners. And ultimately, you know, people wake up one day and realize they can't cool their own home. Mm. You know, it's something as crazy as that to realize, you know, that could be nationwide yeah. before too long. Yeah, it's funny here in California, everything you just said characterizes, you know, the life that we live. Uh, two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the governor said that by 2030, we'll all be driving electric cars. This was his big initiative. And, you know, that's what's going to happen. It was literally the next day where the governor's office said, please don't charge your electric cars because the power grid, it's just crazy. It's upside down world, but that's who we're being led by. And um, certainly that's where we're going to end up. Man, Andrew, thank you so much for what you're doing. Um, where can people learn more about your company and you know your products and all the things that you're involved in? Yeah, so our uh, website is liberationtechtek.com or you can email us at freedom at liberationtech.com. And you know, if you have any questions or, you know, need help finding something or, you know, you're not sure if a service is right, reach out. Don't hesitate. Um, you know, we can help a lot of people. And if we can't help you, we can t- show you uh, a company that will be able to help you. That's awesome. Andrew Rudow, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate that perspective. What a great conversation. Um, again, I told you before we started, we talked about a bunch of stuff because I kept taking it different directions. Um, so many interesting perspectives and, and 
maybe Andrew will be kind enough to come back on and uh, we can break some of those perspectives down. But I appreciate that. Check out his website, the work that he's doing. Um, One of the great things about Andrew and his company is that this is something that we all have access to and we can get behind. Please go and check that out. If you are not yet subscribed to the podcast, take some time to do that right now. Subscribe if you're listening on the platform that you are listening from. If you're not yet subscribed, do that right now. And then take some time. Go to YouTube. You can find The Situation Report on YouTube. Go to YouTube. Search for The Situation Report. You'll find our channel there. And then take a minute to subscribe. Once you've done that, go over and hit that notification bell. That lets you know when more content comes online. And uh, several times a week, we're pushing content to you. Want to make sure that you have that. A lot of reasons for that. One of the big reasons is that as you support that, we're able to do more of this. Have great guests on, have great conversations, and get that to you. So please go ahead and support that YouTube channel. Let us know that you're there. Leave us a comment. Share that content out. That would be fantastic. Really appreciate you joining today and look forward to talking to you next time. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. 
Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God the Creator has something He intends for them, and that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that He has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope, and there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club, or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us.
That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that application out. Our team will get back to you, set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.